What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. Clearly appreciate everyone for tuning in today. Hope everyone is staying safe and healthy. If you haven't done so already, please go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at English Encore Podcast. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Today, I'm be going over the Buffalo Bills 18-10 win over the New York Jets and talking about why their next game against the Patriots is their biggest game of the year. And then we're going into some Sabres hockey talk as the Sabres have avoided arbitration on two players as they've signed Linus Allmark and Sam Reinhart both to one-year deals. So I'm going to talk about the impact of those signings, what it means for the roster lineup, um, and what else they still need to do. Um, I'm, I know I said I'd probably talk about some Bulls football, maybe some college basketball. I'm going to save that actually um, for the next week or the week after just because the Bulls will be starting to play. Um, so I'll probably preview that next Monday. Um, but So we'll start off with the Bills' 18-10 win over the New York Jets. Probably one of the most boring games on Sunday if you were watching across the NFL. Um, as a Bills fan, I'm sure a lot of you are very concerned. I am as well. Um, basically, you went in, played the worst team in the NFL, a team that still has not won a game. Um, they really don't have a single wide receiver. I know Mims played his first game and he was a second round pick and whatnot, but you know, no Jamison Crowder, no Chris Hogan, um, backed in was still banged up. Darnold's just coming off injury. Um, this is a team that got shut out by the Dolphins just last week and you go in, you win 18 to 10, six field goals, don't score a single touchdown. Um, it's just very hard to, you know, think about what's transpired for the Bills this season. And I've said it multiple times before. To me, the Bills look like a team that started off really strong, really hot, started off 4-0, beat two very quality teams in the Rams and the Raiders and handled their business against the Jets and the Dolphins. And I think they were pretty much already ready to crown themselves the AFC East champions. And everyone started talking about them. And the media, like, if you go on Good Morning Football, First Take, whatever you want to do, they're, they were looking at the Bills as a real contender against, like, the Chiefs and the Ravens in the AFC. You know, fast forward after those first four games over the last three weeks, they got manhandled on a Tuesday night game against the Titans, which... I didn't look too deep into that game. They were having to game plan for two different games. The NFL did a poor job of letting the Bills know when they were going to be playing that game. You know, it was just a very weird game. And I'm not going to excuse the Bills for the performance they did that game because they played bad. But um, I wasn't looking too in-depth into that loss. Then you had a chance on primetime to come back against the Super Bowl champions and really prove yourself and they, you know, they laid an egg. They didn't do very well. You know, the offense looked bad. Um, there were moments where Josh got the offense going, and there was a chance late in the game if the defense was able to get a stop that, you know, the Bills had a chance to drive down and win the game, but Kansas City dominated that whole game. 
And then you start out sloppy against the Jets. You go down 10-0. Granted, in the second half, you held them to negative net yards in the second half. Sam Darnold had one completion the entire second half. But there's just a lot to be concerned about, quite frankly, with the Bills. But, you know, even though, you know, there's a lot of negative things that I'm going to kind of talk about and why I'm concerned, I will start off with the positives of the game. I thought Dane Jackson was very solid in his NFL debut filling in for Josh Norman um, and Levi Wallace. I think he's very much earned himself um, a roster spot in a 53-man. We don't know the severity of Josh Norman's injury, if he's going to be on IR or not. Levi Wallace still has a chance to come back later in the year. Travis White has been banged up. Cam Lewis has been banged up as well. Um, I thought Dane Jackson played extremely well, tackled great, was very instinctive, had an interception. Um, made a few really nice pass breakups. Really didn't show anything to me um, during the game that showed he wasn't ready for the moment. He kind of stepped in, did his job masterfully. Um, Josh Allen, honestly, was good through the air. He was very efficient on the ground as well. Um, overall, he didn't have a terrible game. He still threw for 300 yards. He had 60-plus on the ground, so he had almost 400 total yards himself. Um, the bad thing with Allen, obviously, which I'll talk about a little more is still, his turnover issue. Um, he didn't throw any touchdowns, no interceptions, but he did have that fumble. Um, Matt Milano clearly makes the d- defense better. I think it's another positive to see him back. He only played about 20 snaps, mainly on passing downs, but you could just tell when he was in there that Edmonds looked more confident. The defense was flowing better. It was harder for the Jets to pass on second and third and longs because Milano was in the game and his coverage ability. Um, and like I said before, the defense did a really nice job in the second half only allowing one completion by Sam Darnold, pitching a shutout, um, getting an interception late in the game from Jerry Hughes. They finally showed some pass rush. They were getting to Darnold all day long. That needs to be something that gets maintained. Now, looking at the bad part of the game for the Bills is the run defense is still pathetic. Frank Gore was running on us on Will. P. Ryan was running on us on Will. You know, it just got to the point late in the game where the Jets had to pass the ball, so they kind of got away from the run but they could they were gashing us most of the game and our run defense is still a major problem and that's against you know no disrespect to Frank Gore Frank Gore's a Hall of Famer one of the best running backs of all time but he's not nearly the running back he used to be when you're gonna be facing you know the Chris Carsons of the world the Le'Veon Bells you know the Todd Gurley's the Zeke Elliott's whoever it may be I know those are some NFC people but you get what I'm saying in the fact that when you face these elite running backs they're going to guess you. you saw what happened against Derrick Henry and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, you know, I think the Bills did an okay job against Derrick Henry, but Edwards-Hilaire ran all over the Bills. And, you know, Edmonds and Klein still look lost at certain times. You know, start the game when Milano didn't really come in. I think they were still keeping him on a pitch count to make sure he's fully healthy for the Patriots game. Um, they still looked lost at points. I think Edmonds partially is because of the injury. And I'm not going to undermine the fact that I think Lorenzo Alexander being there for Edmonds was a huge factor in his success um, his first few years. Having that veteran to rely on, and I'm not saying A.J. Klein can't be relied on, but I think just Lorenzo got to Edmonds a lot more um, in the mental aspect, and I think Klein's just not the same type of player as Lorenzo was um, from the defensive scheme perspective. Uh, Allen's turnover, um, you know, fumbling in the red zone, just tossing a few balls that should have been intercepted. 
Um, he's gotten away from himself a little bit over the past three weeks. Um, he's still playing good football, don't get me wrong. I just think that because of how bad the defense has been playing, I think we're starting to see Josh be a little more erratic and throwing some 50-50 balls that maybe he shouldn't. Where in the first four, he's giving what the defense was giving him, using his legs when needed, but getting the ball out quick. It seems like the past few games, he's seeing guys open and isn't you know throwing it immediately or he can't get off that first read right away. Um, he's trying to see if it gets open, and by the time he looks to that second, third read, it's already been covered up even if they were open. Um, I hope he can get it back going. But overall, Josh is still having a great year. I'm really happy with his progress. Um, the offense struggled. They were bad in the red zone. They had one touchdown or a couple touchdowns called back because of penalties. Um, just undisciplined stuff that's really uncharacteristic of a McDermott team. They just need to get back to what they were great at throughout the first, even during the Kansas City and the Titans games. The Bills were very efficient on third down and in the red zone. Um, so they got to get back to doing that once again. Um, the run game still can't get going. I know Josh ran the ball really well, but Devin Singletary and Zach Moss still really aren't getting it down, excuse me, done on the ground. Zach Moss had a few nice carries. Singletary had a good carry or two, but it just seems like the Bills and Dable cannot find a way to get them into space. You know, I think they need to get the screen game incorporated a little bit more, um, and if you could get the run game going, it's going to only open up your pass game more. Um, I think John Brown missing is also a key of why the offense hasn't been clicking. He hasn't been healthy for the past three weeks. Um, the big problem with me and a lot of other fans is you couldn't beat the worst team in the NFL by more than eight, and you had no touchdowns. And I know McDermott and the players are going to say it's a divisional game. Anything can happen any given Sunday, but... All the good teams in the league would have blown the Jets out. And for some reason, I feel like the Bills just play down their opponents too often. You saw it last year against like teams like Cleveland, you know, the Jets game. You know, they just played down to their opponents. But yet, when they play the Kansas City Titans, it doesn't seem like they raise it as much as they want to or think they're good enough to come back when needed. Um, and I feel like that's how they feel against bad teams that they know they can kind of turn it on when they need to. But... The Bills haven't proven they can do that consistently, and they haven't done anything in this league. They haven't won a Super Bowl. They've been to the playoffs last year and blew a lead. Like, you are you haven't arrived yet, and I feel like the Bills sometimes look like they have despite them saying that they haven't. You know, McDermott and the players always are going to say the right things, but they act a different way, in my opinion. Um, and I thought the play calling and time management was questionable down the stretch of the game especially when the Bills had a chance to put the game away. Like, I don't understand why they were just trying to run or pass the ball down the Jets' throat and score a touchdown at the end. You know, it was just playing that conservative, you know, type of Bills football where we're just going to try to run it down, kick the field goal, go up by eight, play prevent defense, and we're going to get a stop and win the game. And I just didn't understand it. I don't understand why they called a timeout on that third short before Josh ran the read option play and didn't get the first down. Um, I thought Dable didn't have a great game plan um you know i think the head coaching talk stuff kind of got in his head a little bit over the past few weeks um overall wins a win the bills are five and two and definitely in a great position um to win the afc east still and be a good spot in the playoffs but they need to start turning around with their game both offensively and defensively the only hope now is that if your defense can start really 
start to get healthy. It's been improving over the past few weeks. The run game still has to improve, but as far as pass rushing and, you know, doing a good job in coverage, the Bills defense has definitely been improving. Um, it's just kind of the linebackers improving at pass coverage and stopping the run game more. But previewing the Bills-Patriots game for next Sunday, um, to me, this is the game of the year for the Bills. And there's a lot of reasons why that this is the biggest game of the year. Because the Bills have the opportunity to move to 6-2. and two. They get to move to 4-0 and oh in the AFC East if they win that game. So that means that even if you lose your next two AFC East games, no matter what, no one in that division is going to be able to go above you as far as a division record. They can only tie you. Um, if the Dolphins lose next week and you win, you have a three-game lead in the AFC East with two more games against AFC opponents and a few easy games later in the season, and you're going to be facing a tough stretch of games right after the Patriots. You have Seattle, you have the 49ers, you have the Cardinals still, um, Pittsburgh, a lot of really tough games that they're going to have to win. And, you know, getting these wins against, the you know, your divisional opponents is going to be huge, especially when you have to face those tough NFC teams that you might not get that win. You want to stack up as many AFC wins as possible. And you already dropped two to the Titans and the Chiefs, so that's already not great as is. But if you can go 6-0 and or 5-1 and in your division, you're in a great spot. And not only is this a big game for all those reasons, but this is your first chance to really prove not only to yourself and to the fans, but what the media has been saying. This isn't Tom Brady's division anymore. This is your opportunity to make the claim that the Bills are the AFC East favorites now and for the foreseeable future. This is your opportunity to say the Patriots are no more. We are here now. This is our division. And if you can beat the New England Patriots next week, and I know that the Patriots aren't playing well. They're 2-4. and four. They, But they still have one of if not the greatest coach in NFL history and Bill Belichick. And it is a divisional game, and divisional games are always a little bit tougher than any other regular game. And the Patriots, until they are knocked off that AFC East crown, are still that team. This is a great opportunity for Josh Allen and the Bills to punch New England in the mouth, move to 6-2, and two, get their groove back before facing two really tough opponents in the Seattle Seahawks and the Cardinals, which are going to really prepare you for playoff time. And you have to face those elite teams in the AFC. And it's just a golden opportunity. Um, you know, it's some great matchups. You're going to have Stephon Diggs versus Stephon Gilmore. You're going to have Josh Allen, Cam Newton. I know Cam Newton hasn't been playing well but Allen's been compared to Newton so often. It's going to be a cool back-and-forth matchup. Um, the Patriots are coming off two bad losses. You know Belichick's going to have them ready to go. Um, Newton, like I said, hasn't been playing well. McDermott's going to have to show he can coach against these other great, you know, coaches in the NFL. He hasn't done it so far against the Mike Vrabels and, you know, the Sha or the Andy Reeds. He did out-coach Sean McVay for the first half of that game, but not the second half. 
he has to show he can consistently be in that conversation late in games that he can be right with or out coach another team's coach um as far as the keys to the game getting john brown back is going to be essential he opens up the offense so much more he allows Diggs to get one one-on-one matchups beasley as you can already tell is surgical and finding open holes in the, in the zone defense uh is good in the slot gabe davis gets more opportunities when john brown is in the game it opens up the run game more because of the threat deep with Brown and Diggs on the field. Um, the run defense has to get better for the Bills. The Patriots have a plethora of running backs they could use against us. Um, they have to contain Edelman. He's really their biggest and only threat on the offensive side of the ball outside of Cam Newton running it himself. Um, you have to be turnover free against the Patriots. They, even though they didn't play well this week, their defense is still good. You cannot turn the ball over in the red zone. You cannot give this team free possessions. You have to control the clock. Um, you know, attack early against this defense. Don't be afraid to go at Stephon Gilmore. You have Stephon Diggs now. You went and got him for a reason. Don't be afraid to throw a 50-50 ball here and there to him. And I'm not saying to force it, but if there's a one-on-one opportunity and you think that Diggs is better than Gilmore, give him that opportunity to go and make a play. Um, the Bills offense just needs to get back to what they were doing the first four weeks um i really loved what they did against the raiders throughout that whole game if they can do that consistently um defensively they just got to continue to improve like i said these next two to three weeks are going to be a huge stretch for the bills um to get them prepared for late in the season and for the playoffs and if you can get yourself six and two um obviously a very very good chance you're going to the playoffs and you're going to win the afc east for the first time in a long time um, and then finally, moving on for the final topic of today's podcast, the Buffalo Sabres announced yesterday the signings of both Linus Allmark and Sam Reinhart. Reinhart signed a one-year $5.2 million deal, um, avoiding arbitration. And then in the late stages of last night, Linus Allmark signed a deal for just under $3 million to come back on a one-year deal. Um, so it's really good. Both those players avoid arbitration. You're still giving yourself six, seven million dollars in cap space with those two signings to get guys like Victor Olafson um, and potentially bring back a guy like Dominic Cahoon back. Um, Olafson's hearing is November fourth, so we'll see if they can get a deal done before then or if they will go to arbitration for him. Um, with the Reinhardt signing, their top six is pretty much set. You know, it's going to be Taylor Hall, Jack Eichel, um, either Reinhardt or Olafson, depending on if they get him back. And then you're going to have Eric Stahl, Jeff Skinner, and then whichever one of Olofsson and Reinhardt isn't on the top line. Um, your bottom six is still your question mark to me because right now in your bottom six, you have Kyle Oposo, um, Eakin, Gergensons, Curtis Lazar, Tobias Reeder, Tage Thompson, Casey Middlestat, Dylan Cousins. So to me, Oposo, because of his contract's a lock, Eakin, you just signed, is a lock, and Gurgens is a lock. Um, Thompson, based on his deal, I would say, is a lock as well. So there's four of your bottom six. Now, they signed Lazar, but it's on a very cheap deal. Same thing with Reader. So those guys could rotate in and out of that fourth-line center role. Are they going to keep Middlestat up here? Are they going to put him in Rochester? Are they going to trade him? Um, I think Dylan Cousins deserves to be on this roster 
Um, whether he wants to play center or right wing, that's up to Ralph Kruger. I've talked about it before. I think he'd be good on a second or third line right wing role, at least for this season. And learn behind Eichel and Eric Stahl and now Eakin as well. Um, there's still a lot of question marks just in that bottom six. If they do sign Cahoon, it just creates more problems as far as, you know, I like Cahoon as a player. and I think he's an upgrade over some of those players. But then you have to make more decisions of what you're doing. Um, I've been very adamant that they got to make a move on defense. You can't bring back that same exact decor as last year. Even if Rasmus Dahlin and Henry Okiaru develop immensely, um, it's not going to make up for how bad they were last year. Um, I think Ristolina or Montour has got to be the ones that are moved. Um, goaltending is still a question mark. Even though they have Omerk, I think it's very clear they're going to ride with him as their starter this year. Kind of give him that final opportunity to show that he can be their future goaltender. Um, if not, I think Ukapakalukin is going to be that guy. I'd expect them to move on from Carter Hutton. Um, he's just been very bad for the past two years with us. And I know there's still a lot of question marks with this team. Um, you know, they've definitely gotten better. There's no denying that. It's just the bottom six, what they're going to be doing defensively with those players. And then the backup goaltender situation is still something that needs to be addressed. And I think the interesting thing with Reinhardt, Allmark, and the same thing with Taylor Hall is they're all betting on themselves. They know the market is saturated right now because of COVID. Um, and they want to have another year to prove themselves and cash in big next year when hopefully the market's kind of going to reset itself. Um, Reinhardt, if he plays with Hall and Eichel, I think he'll definitely hit 70 points. Even if he doesn't, I still think he has a chance of hitting that number with Stahl um, and Skinner. Um, you know, Allmark, I think, has a good chance to be good this year, but at the same time, um, the defense has to change a little bit in front of him. I think Allmark's a solid goalie. I don't know if he's going to be your future, but he's a guy that can play 50, 60 games and do a decent enough job. So whether or not they want to keep him and make him, you know, make a one-two tandem with him and someone else or they move on from him. Um, you know, the one-year deal is very uh, flexible for the Sabres too because if Hall or Reinhardt doesn't work out and they want to move on from one of them because it's only a one-year deal, they could move them right before the trade deadline as well. The one-year is also nice flexibility because it does keep Reinhardt as an RFA, which is very good for the Sabres in my opinion, to at least keep him around or get compensated if he were to leave on an offer sheet or something like that. Um, but overall, I think, you know, Adam's doing a decent job bringing in Stahl, Eakin, re-getting uh, Reinhardt, bringing in Taylor Hall as well. Um, I just think that the Sabres are going in the correct direction. They still need to make a few more moves, but um, I think they can definitely compete for a bottom part of a playoff spot. Um, it's just going to be how they perform and how they're coached next year. And, We'll see what the divisions are like because of, you know, COVID and everything. And if they're going to do a bubble again or not, um, is remain to be seen. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. Like I said before, please go and follow me on Instagram at English Encore Podcast. I will be back on Friday or Saturday, um, more than likely Friday. Um, I'll be joined again by my new co-host, Zach Hamill. We'll be doing another NBA um, podcast episode. Everyone seemed to enjoy it last time. It was one of our highest viewing episodes um in my time doing podcasting for everyone over the past year so appreciate the support on that and we'll be back again on friday this has been english encore podcast buffalo's favorite sports channel